You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Fellowship High Crest. Yeah. It is good to be here. I have a bottle of water here with me that you might see me take a drink from every once in a while because God has blessed me with some soup coolers, as I like to say. Some, and so sometimes we get a little dry. But as we speak today, um, you'll see some page numbers on the screen associated with verses. And those page numbers will be associated with the Bibles that are in your seats. We do that because we want you to see that the things that we're saying come from the Word of God. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can take that one as our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, then you can take that one as our gift to you. And if you know someone who doesn't have a Bible, you can take that one and give it to them as a gift from both of us. So it was 2002 in the spring, and there I was all 616 pounds of me. When I weighed in, I had no idea I weighed that much, and neither did anyone around me. Looking at myself in the mirror, I knew things were bad, but not that bad. I mean, I was doing life the best way I knew how. Both of my parents were morbidly obese, and both had been forced um, out of employment because of obesity. Both lived physically restricted lives because of obesity. But there I was, a young college graduate full of charisma, with my whole life ahead of me, and at the same time, no life ahead of me. I had all these dreams and things I wanted to do, and because of my education, I should have had more access to them than I ever had, but because of my weight, I had less access to them than I ever had. Even though I had a high GPA and and plenty of intern experience and dressed nice and, and interviewed well, and I could relate to people from all over the place, I was still passed up for some jobs. Some of them I really wanted. You know, I had people tell me that that must have meant that God had something better. See, but cute quotes wasn't changing my situation, getting me a job or changing me. I needed something more. I was hired by the Dow Chemical Company, and I later found out that there was an intense fight on whether they should hire me or not because of my weight. Then around Thanksgiving, family came to visit for the first time. And I stayed up all night cooking, and something happened. I had what would later be characterized as an anxiety attack, but I thought I was having a heart attack. And as I sat there, the emergency room doctor looked at me and said that I seriously needed to do something. Do something? Do something. I I was like, man, this guy must be real funny. Yes, I've gotten this big, and I've tried to do nothing at all. I mean, if I knew what to do, then I would have done so, but I had no clue of where to start. I remember going back home that night and just crying. I felt like I had tried every diet known to man. I played sports. I, I looked at my options and my situation was dark. I, 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 it was void of hope. I could think of, all I could think of was I would die alone. No wife, no kids, no, no travel, no chance at succeeding at what I did. It was a dark situation for me. But we've all been beat on by life. No, maybe you 
having been morbidly obese, but, but maybe I'm betting that you found yourself in a situation where life has happened and has left you feeling as though your situation was dark and void of hope. And maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. And maybe you just got out of jail. Or maybe you're dealing with a drug addiction. Or maybe you're having troubles at home in your marriage. Or, or maybe you're in an abusive relationship. Or maybe you're having trouble on your job. Or maybe it's just with the parenting of your kids. We all have areas that can stand for some change. Often we are left frustrated because we have no clue of how real change comes about. We look to books only to find that the solutions they offer are temporal. We ask for advice from people around us only to find that their solutions don't fit our situations. And the situations and solutions they offer only lead to the same temporal changes that all the books we read. If you can identify with that, then I want to tell you this morning that there's hope. And that hope is found in God's word. The Bible is made up of two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our focal passage for this morning is found in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Genesis is in the Old Testament. It's the first book of the Bible. Moses wrote Genesis to the Israelites who had just spent 480 years in slavery serving pagan gods. After all those years of adapting to the culture in which they lived, they forgot who they were supposed to be, and because of the losses they suffered, their lives began to fall apart. After all those years of doing what came natural and what was accepted by society, now they were supposed to be this new people. As they journeyed from Egypt to the land that God had promised, they wanted to change but simply had no idea of how or where they were supposed to start. God inspired Moses to speak the words that are found in Genesis 1 through 2 in order to inform the Israelites of some important matters as they begin their journey. God wanted to inform them of how he would be there and how he gives new starts when things seem to be at their worst. So this morning, as we view Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we'll cover three points that will help the people of Fellowship Highcrest to start new. In the winter of 2002, I, find, I found myself at a point of either changing or going from being in a hospital waiting room, worried about my mom's health, to laying in a hospital bed, wondering if I would take another breath. I mean, as I sat there and considered, what would change mean, though? See, food had always been there for me. When I was happy, when I was sad, when I accomplished something, food was always there. I mean, what if I left food and there was nothing? I wasn't prepared to give up my coping mechanism yet. The fact that I had let myself get to television special proportions had left me feeling empty. Yes, my ankles and knees hurt. Yes, I had trouble fitting into places. Yes, I was talked about. Yes, girls treated me bad. Yes, I was passed by for some jobs. Yes, I was made to sit on the floor at some of my friends' house. But food was the only thing I had ever found security in to that point in my life. I thought if I gave up my favorite foods, then my life would be joyless. I was in a dark space and grasping for hope. Our focal passage for the morning in all of Scripture begins with the following verses that describe a similar type situation. 
It says this in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Things were bad. How bad was it? Well, Moses used three words to describe how bad the situation really were. The first was formless. That word translated means unprepared or in a state of chaos and confusion. The next word he used was the word empty. And here's something interesting about that word. So we know that the the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. That word that that, that means um, empty in Hebrew, when it was translated to Greek, they chose a word that meant unfit to be seen. I don't know about you, but how many people, you don't have to raise your hand, have been in a situation or had something going on in your life where you isolated yourself from your friends and your family and all those around you because you didn't think you were fit to be seen? So Moses then goes on. He says the last word was darkness or sometimes translated as gloom covered everything. So as Moses started off by saying that at the beginning of the first story that the earth was filled with chaos and confusion. It was not meant to be seen by anyone, and just the thought of it left you feeling sad. That was the beginning of the first story. Do you think Moses' audience could relate? Well, here you have this group of people that had just fled from the only home they knew with only the things that they could carry. There was no government. There were no cities. Heck, they didn't even know where they were going The thing that was supposed to define them was who and how they worship, and they didn't even know where to start with that. They didn't know how long it would take them to get there or what they would face on the way to this new place. They didn't know what they would eat or how they would protect themselves. They found themselves on the outside of Egypt, seemingly unprepared, not ready yet to be recognized as a nation. But yes, there were slaves back there, but that was the only thing they had ever known, and now they couldn't go back. They knew about this dark and hopeless situation. The situation you may find yourself in or today, some of you might have something that happened in the past or something that's currently going on in your life where you're feeling unprepared and empty and full of gloom as you try to start new. If you can identify, then I, I, I would need you to know and need you to pay attention because you can't nugget that's in the second part of verse 2. There's a nugget in there that God gave Moses to write. It's something I believe God wanted the Israelites to know and something I believe he wants us to know. Moses needed the Israelites to know something from the beginning of their journey. See, back then, all this information was carried and transferred through storytelling. So this would be the first story that they would learn. This would be the first story that they would would teach. This would be the first story that future generations would hear. This was important, and he needed them to know from the start. God asked Moses to communicate this to them, that just like he was there when the earth was at its worst, that he would be there for them in their worst times. And I need you to hear this this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation is that you find yourself in, just like God was there for the earth and for the Israelites when it was at its darkest moment, God will be there for you and yours. And not only was he there, 
But just like it's seen in verses 2 through 26 of chapter 1, his word brings about change. If you truly want to start new, then get a fresh start in God's word. At Fellowship Highcrest, we practice a process called REAP in order to study scripture. REAP stands for read, examine, apply, and pray. Starting Easter Sunday, we'll have journals available at our Welcome Center for $2 each that will help you go through that process on a daily basis. All true lasting change begins with God and his word. If you want to see change in our situations, you're going to start with the word of God, bringing the light of hope to dark places, separating us from our dark past, bringing forgiveness and healing from hurt, giving endurance and perseverance to help us get through what once had us give up and be through, and by causing life to cover what death and despair once filled. The first part of the story that Moses told was that new starts begin with God's word. To get the next part, we go to verses 26 through 31 of that chapter 1, and here's what it says. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he made and saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, making the sixth day. If I was going to change It was going to take someone that had the right skills and tools to help me change everything in my life when it came to food. I needed someone that would help reconstruct what I ate, how I move, and even how I digested food. I'm so thankful that God has gifted dietitians and surgeons and nurses and trainers to help people like me. I'm so thankful that God has sent these people. And I would go in there in the office sometime and I would be so disheartened. And they would tell me that it's going to be all right and that they were going to be right there with me and we would make a plan to go forward. You know, I I learned in that ordeal the same thing that Moses was trying to teach the people, the Israelites during this time as they went through their ordeal. And what I learned was that new starts happen through those who serve God. New starts happen through those that serve God. In, in verses 36, 26 through 31, we see that, that while God blessed the creatures in the sea and the creatures that, that flew in the air, he didn't bless the ground or the animals on the ground because he blessed man who was supposed to be his caretaker and the blessing for those would flow through man. See, as we look at Scripture, it's a reoccurring theme that God uses man to be a channel of blessing to those around him. 
It can be seen in Noah and his saving of the animals on the ark. It can be seen in the story of Abraham and as God promised him that all the nations on earth would be blessed through his seed. It can be seen in how Joseph helped not only his family, but an entire nation start new after a great famine. It can be seen in the story of the Israelites as God sent Moses to help them start new. It can be seen in how the Israelites and Rahab helped each other start new. It can be seen in how Boaz helped Ruth and Naomi start new. It can be seen in how David uh, was used to bring back the ark and usher in a new worship in the presence of God. It can be seen in how Ezra and Nehemiah helped the people reconstruct their city and their town after they exited exile. I could go on and on and on, but God always uses men to bless those around them. God has a plan for our lives, and he has placed gifted people all around us. Are they gifted people? God has a special purpose for each and every one of you. He will shape your life as you allow him to use your gifts and talents to bless others. Now, we've seen that new starts begin with God and his word. And they continue through the people that serve them. There's one more element to this, and we can't miss this, or, or you'll miss a key component in what it means to start new. You'll miss a key thing that you need if you want for your new start to be sustainable. And we find that element in the 15th through the 25th verse of chapter 2. There in chapter 2, verse 18, simply says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. See, I had a plan, and God had blessed me with access to gifted and caring healthcare staff. But in the winter of 2006, my change just took off. Now, from 2002 to 2006, I changed some, but at 2006, it was like, took off like a rocket. And it was hard for me to believe. What was it that caused that change? Community. See, there I was. I accepted in the winter of 2006, I accepted a position as youth pastor at Hope Fellowship in Lake Jackson, Texas. And I was working full-time as an engineer, and I was going to seminary at the same time, and now I had this youth pastor job, and I was the only African-American member of this church. And these two guys approached me and asked if they could pray for me on a regular basis because they figured I would need some relationships. And I asked them if they wouldn't mind being my accountability partners because I had been looking for some men who were willing to be real about where we were sitting at in life and connect since I got into town. And these were the first two guys that were on board. Those, we did life together. They came alongside of me, and we would eat together. We would spend time with each other's families. They would help keep me active by riding bikes or going to hit golf balls. They would, when we went out to eat, they would only order things that were on my approved list. I wouldn't have to look at their food and envy. I mean, that was love. These guys helped save my life. That's what community is about. Do you want to change? Do you want to start new? Well, starting new 
starts with doing life with others in biblical community. At Fellowship Highcrest, we accomplish this through small groups. Another way we accomplish this is through family meetings, which will start on April 25th. That's Wednesday's nights. Every Wednesday night, starting April 25th, we have family dinner. What is family dinner? Well, we'll all come together to share a meal. Then we'll, we'll worship through song together, and we'll pray together. And then at that point, adults will go to small groups once we launch those. Youth will go to fortress, and then we'll have stuff for kids also. It'll be a potluck thing, so everybody will get to bring a part of the meal. Everybody helps set up and tear down, just like in a family. As we continue on, we'll offer more things uh, on Wednesday nights. We'll offer GED courses. We'll offer our re-engaged marriage ministry, which I'm wearing a shirt from. We'll offer Financial Peace University and a lot of other things as we continue to go on where you can take your next step in the community of God in every area of life. You know, life comes at us hard and fast. It is relentless. And often in the wake of it all, we're left with feelings of confusion and emptiness and gloom. When God wants to start over, he takes what's there and he makes something new. Our new start begins with a new start in God's word. It continues by allowing God to use the gifted people around us and by us allowing him to use our gifts to bless others. And finally, our new start It's sustained and amplified when we do life together in biblical community. There's one thing that I didn't mention, though, during my opening. Why did I wait to 2002 to start my journey? Well, I grew up in a single-parent home with no medical insurance. So I had no access to to the staffs and the the medical staffs, and everything I needed to help start my new plan and gain what I needed. But I got, God blessed me with a job that had medical insurance, and I was able to get my way, and now I had the relationships I needed in order to take my next step. Some of you in this room are standing in a lake of life and wishing and hoping for something new. But you simply have no idea where to start. You know that God wants you to do something else, but you have no idea of where to start. Well, I need you to know that that you can have that next start. You can have it. Some of you are thinking that, man, maybe God won't even accept me because of some things I've done in my past or some things I'm doing right now. You need to know that you can have that next start. You can have that new start, and while I had to wait for medical insurance, your wait is up. Your wait is up because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came as the only son of God, as a baby born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was tried, beaten, and hung on a cross, and there on that cross hung not only Jesus' body, but your sins and my sins. And because of that sacrifice, now we all have access to a relationship with the God of the universe. We access that relationship by doing what we call stepping across the line of faith. Stepping across the line of faith simply goes like this. It goes with the recognition that God is holy and that he has a standard that none of us meet. And because none of us meet it, 
We all deserve to die. But when we were at our worst, when we was at our grubbiest, Jesus Christ came and paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. And when we move from trusting in ourselves and trying to work in ourselves to to earn God's favor to simply trusting in and depending solely on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we move from death to life. We move from doing to done. And that's acceptable for you today. That's, that's, that's here for you today. It is available for you today. In a moment, I'm going to pray. No special words, no special order words, just a, a prayer of thanks for God sending his son to pay the cost for us. Maybe you've made, never made that commitment of stepping across the line of faith and, and saying, I'm going to solely trust on Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, as the only way I can have a relationship with the Father. If you've never done so, I invite you to do it today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that tells us of your love and how you sent your son to die for us so that we may have life. We thank you, Father, that you don't blow up things up and start over, but that you take what's there and you give them a new start. I pray, Father, that your spirit move on hearts and minds in this room. If there's anyone here that is wondering if they can be accepted, that your spirit will move on them and let them know that you love them and that you want to have a relationship with them. And that they would move, Father, from trying to do it to resting in the done work of Christ. Father, help us to take our next step with you. We pray these things in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and this was your first time praying that prayer and stepping across the line of faith, please let us know. You can mark it on your card. We have a prayer team up on this side of the stage waiting to talk with you right after service. You can come up. They can tell you about that. For some of you in this room, your next step is baptism. Simply going public in your relationship with Christ. In Scripture, those who believe were baptized. That's your first and easiest step of obedience in your relationship with Christ. Why? Because he only asked you to get wet for him. We'll do baptisms on every third Sunday of the month, and we would love to talk with you about how we can be a part of that. The team up here will be willing to talk with you through that. You can have your new start today.